according to the author Michael Lewis, almost exactly two years ago, Sam Bankman-Fried, who was the founder of FTX, which before it collapsed, was a leading cryptocurrency exchange, over a two or three day period, had brunch with Shaquille O'Neal, the basketball celebrity, dinner that night with the Kardashians, watched the Super Bowl with the owner of the LA Rams, and then talked with Hillary Clinton, and after that, Orlando Bloom, the actor. According to Forbes magazine, when Sam Bankman-Fried was still in his 20s, he was worth more than $20 billion. And when you have that kind of vast wealth, regardless of your actual character or real achievements, people who are considered important by the standards of this world want to spend time with you. People in our world tend to assess a person's worth by their net worth or their outward appearance or their position in society or by their education. But Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 19 verse 30 said these words, but many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. Let's pray. Living God, we pray that you would use the unique words of your son, these counterintuitive words, to shape our lives, help us to understand them and live them with the help of your spirit. In Christ's name, amen. So we've just begun a sermon series, or recently begun a sermon series, on the paradoxes of Jesus. Jesus says, but many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. When he says these words, he's referring to in the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven, which to some degree has been established on earth, but in the age to come will be fully present. When Jesus says, many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first, he is teaching in a paradoxical way, because we think that's a contradiction in terms. We simply assume that those who are first are first and those who are last are last. But Jesus says in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of heaven, in many cases, this will be reversed. Don and Carla are a couple who had never been on a movie set before, but through an unexpected opportunity, they uh, were given a chance to play the role as extras in a movie about Elvis Presley. And so the director put them at the front of a line of a long uh, stream of people who were all holding candles. And uh, Don was saying, you know, I, I was, as I was standing there, I was imagining, what will I look like on a big screen? What will Carla look like in the movies? And as he's sort of daydreaming, just before the cameras are about to roll, the director tells everyone, turn around. And so Don said, instantly, we were now, instead of at the front of the line, we were now at the back of the line. And I was so disappointed because we had stood 14 hours on set for what would be less than a minute in the movie, and now I probably wouldn't even be in the movie at all. 
Many, Jesus said, who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. What does Jesus mean when he says this? Well, we get a clue as we look at some passages where Jesus actually used these words. Jesus used this expression after speaking to a wealthy young man. So we read in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, that a young ruler, a young wealthy ruler, ran up to Jesus, knelt before him, and said, good teacher, what must I do to gain eternal life? Jesus said, well, you know the commandments. Thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, don't lie, don't steal, don't defraud, honor your father and mother. And the young man's chest rose a little bit as he said, all these I have kept since my youth. Scriptures tell us that Jesus looked at him and loved him and then said, you have just one more thing to do. Go sell all your possessions, give the proceeds to the poor, You will have treasure with God in heaven and then come and follow me. And the Bible tells us that at this, the young man's face fell and clouded over. He became deeply sad because he had many possessions and he was holding so tightly to them that he was not willing to let them go. Jesus then turned to the group that saw this and said, Do you have any idea of how difficult it is for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God? And his hearers would have been totally stunned because in their world, they believed that having wealth, having riches was a sign that a person was chosen by God, favored by their creator, and blessed. And so, uh, Peter says, we have left everything to follow you. We have left everything to follow you. And Jesus said, many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. Jesus here is teaching in a paradoxical manner, because he is saying that many who seem to be first, many who have wealth and material riches and appear to be blessed and favored by God will find that those very riches may be a barrier for them to entering the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Those material possessions, wealth, whatever, may keep them from fully offering their lives to God. Let's look at another related passage in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16, verse 15, where Jesus says, What this world honors is detestable in the sight of God. What this world honors is detestable in the sight of God. What did Jesus mean by this? Well, in the context, we see that Jesus is speaking to a powerful group of people who have high status. They're known as the Pharisees. And they are people who love worldly recognition and they love material wealth. And Jesus, as he speaks to them and us, is challenging the values of their world and their world, which are in direct opposition to God. 
And these values include things like seeing a person's position or status or prestige or material wealth as being of utmost importance. And when we judge a person along these lines, Jesus says, God detests this. And God, on the other hand, loves humility and service. God loves hiddenness and love. God loves justice and a heart that desires to honor and obey God. Hugh Jackman, of course, as you know, is a famous actor. I didn't know this about him, but I, I, I learned this about him when he was interviewed by the podcaster, Tim Ferriss. He said this. I've never really said this before, this particular thing I'm going to say. But as I told you, I was brought up in a very religious household. His father was converted to Christ at a Billy Graham campaign in Australia years ago. So a lot of the messages I was getting and instructions for life came through the examples of Jesus and through all these characters and parables in the Bible. And I carry them very close to my heart. And I can remember praying nightly for I don't know how long to God. I remember just saying, I don't care, God, what it is you want me to do. If you want me to collect trash, I'll collect trash. If you want me to, I do not care. But please make it clear to me what you want me to do. Please make it clear. And so for Hugh Jackson, upon reflection the most important thing he could do isn't starring in a movie necessarily or even winning an Oscar. It's doing what God wants him to do, even if that is collecting trash or doing something other than acting. And then as the interview continued, um, Tim Ferriss observed this about Jackman. He said, I'll talk about a pattern that I've observed, which is you, meaning Hugh Jackson, are polite to everyone. I mean, I've seen you. You shake hands with everyone you meet, whether it's the janitor up to the prime minister. You extend the same courtesy to everyone, and I think that's a rarity. And Jackman said, I learned that from my mother. Everyone needs to feel appreciated. It doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter who they are. That's a need in everybody. But most people in the world, as Ferris rightly pointed out, will show more respect and deference to a prime minister or a president than to a janitor. Most people will show more respect and attention to someone who has the net worth of an Elon Musk or an Oprah Winfrey than to someone who doesn't know where they're going to spend the night, who doesn't know where their next meal is coming from. And what Jesus is saying in this passage is that when we go with the flow of the mainstream values of our world and treat someone better because they are considered more important in our world, we are doing something detestable in God's eyes. But when we go against the flow of our culture, the values of our age, and treat someone with respect love and care, regardless of their position in society, regardless of their status or their financial wealth or lack thereof, we are doing something truly great. We are doing something of first importance in the eyes of our creator.
Years ago, I attended a conference in Amsterdam hosted by Billy Graham, who at at the time was the most respected and well-known Protestant Christian leader in the world. And at that conference, a journalist caught sight of Mr. Graham, ran up to him, he was quite opportunistic, tapped him on the shoulder, put a microphone in his face and said, Billy Graham, who is the greatest Christian in the world? And Billy responded by saying, you wouldn't even know their name. They're serving in some obscure forest in Africa or he or she is is living in in some tiny village in Asia that you've never heard of, you wouldn't even know his or her name. And I think about how C.S. Lewis, in his classic book, The Great Divorce, imagined a scene in heaven where a man is being given a tour of the kingdom. And as they're walking along, they see this dazzling, radiant, incandescent woman. She's surrounded by a group of children who are singing and dancing in her honor. So the man wants to stop, and he, he, he looks at the woman, looks at his guide, and says, I think I know who that is. Is that Taylor? Taylor Swift? <laughs> no, no, no. I, no, I think, it's, I think it's Beyonce. And the guide says, um, you have no idea who she is. You've never heard of her. Her name is Sarah. She's from a small town. You have never heard of her. But the man says, surely I have. She seems to be a person of great importance. And the guy says, well, she is a person of great importance. But you need to know that fame on earth and fame in heaven are two different things. And the man says, well, who are all these girls and boys dancing and singing in her honor? And the guy says, oh, they're her. Her sons and daughters. She had a lot of kids. Guy says she'd never married, never had any children of her own. But every girl that she met became her daughter. Every boy that she met, even the boy who delivered groceries to her door, became her son. Oh, that must have been so hard on on their parents. No, no, no. Her love was of a different kind. There are those who steal children from their parents. But when her love fell upon a child, they went back to their parents with a greater love for them. Some of you here um, may have known my mother. Uh, My mother, when uh, she was a young adult, had the opportunity to attend some fancy schools. And during her adult life, she held some jobs at times, but she spent the majority of her energies raising five children and that was challenging given who we were and after dad retired she spent quite a bit of time volunteering including here at the church she and dad began hospitality ministry after the worship service where they and 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 some others were offering bagels and and tea and coffee mom would connect uh, or cook for something called the connections dinner um and uh, mom would do the cooking, and my dad would uh, serve as the taste tester. My mother never held a high-profile, high-powered, high-paying job. And some people would say, given her elite education, it was a waste of her life. 
But insofar as my mother was fulfilling her calling in raising kids in a life of humble service and humble love, she was doing something great in God's eyes. Now, let me also add this. Let me be clear here. If it had been my mother's calling to embrace a high-powered, high-profile, high-paying career, and she did that not because of her ego, but to honor God's call on her life and to serve others, that also would have been something great in God's eyes. Jesus does not say, all who are first will be last in the kingdom of God. He says, many who are first will be last. Some who are first in this world will be first in the kingdom of God. Some of you are first in this world and you are serving God and you will be first in the world to come. Let's look at another passage in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 13. Let me set up the context. Jesus is teaching soberly about how at the end of our lives, at the end of the age, we will come before God in a judgment. And Jesus describes how there are some people knocking on the door of a house which symbolizes heaven. And to their great shock and dismay, they're turned away and they experience something that Jesus describes as weeping and gnashing of teeth, which in the culture was an expression to describe an emotion of great regret, anguish, and despair. And then Jesus goes on to teach that at the feast in the kingdom of heaven, we will see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but we will also see people from every part of the world. He says in verse 29 of Luke 13, people will come from east and west, north and south, and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first, and who are first who will be last. And again, his Jewish hearers would have been shocked by these words because they would have assumed that the only people who were in, insofar as God was concerned, were the physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and those who had converted to what would later be called Judaism, and everyone else was out. But here Jesus is saying, no, no. There will be people coming from every corner of the world and entering into the kingdom of God and entering into the kingdom of heaven. There will be many surprises on that final day. There will be people who seem to be so religious, so righteous, had a great reputation, but were leading a false life and were not and are not in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of heaven. And there are others who do not seem religious, who seem rough on the exterior, who have a bad reputation. Maybe they've been accused of a crime they did or didn't commit. But in their heart, they have turned to the living God and humbly asked for mercy and forgiveness and cleansing and a new beginning. And they are a daughter or son of God and they are in the kingdom of God. They will be in the kingdom of heaven. We don't know exactly who will ultimately be in the kingdom of heaven, but we do know that there will be many surprises. There will be some who we expected to be there and are not, and there are others who thought, no way, they're going to be there, and they are. And so Jesus is teaching us when he says, many who are last will be first, 
and many who are first will be last. Don't judge on outward appearances. There will be many surprises come judgment day. So how do we live in light of what Jesus is teaching here? How do we live in light of it? One of the things we can do is to let go, to release the values of this world, the fleeting and superficial values of this world. And whether you believe in God or not, that is a wise move because philosophers have told us for thousands of years, Christian and not Christian, religious and not religious philosophers have told us that if we overvalue money, material possessions, and fame, we will be unhappy. And modern social science completely corroborates this truth. According to the research of professor of psychiatry, Tim Kasser, who studies how a person's values affects their experience of life. Quote, materialistic people who think happiness comes from accumulating stuff and a superior status had much higher levels of depression and anxiety. He also similarly said that the research showed that those who valued materialism and material possessions and status felt angrier and experienced less joy and more despair. So in light of Jesus' teachings, let's let go of the fleeting values of this world. And let us also live in light of the day we will meet our Creator face to face. You know, some people, including some relatively young people, say, um, when I get to my deathbed, I don't want to be thinking, I just said this at UBC, I study too much, or I, I work too much. I spent too much in, time in the office and not enough with my friends and, and my family and loved ones. If you will live in light of your anticipated future deathbed, you will live more wisely. But if you live in anticipation of your future day where you stand face-to-face with God, you will live wiser yet. So how to prepare for that day? No one enters into the kingdom of God, into the kingdom of heaven based on their own merits, on, on their, based on their own achievements. A perfect God demands perfection. None of us are perfect. And so in order to enter the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, we need to turn to God and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner to echo the old prayer. I don't get it all, but please forgive me of my sins and cleanse me and make me new. And you can be in the clear insofar as God is concerned. You can be adopted as a daughter or a son in his family because God became a human being in Jesus Christ, lived a perfect life, and then on the cross absorbed our sins, our shortcomings into himself so that we could be forgiven, cleansed, and given a new beginning. One day we will face a judgment as to whether we enter the kingdom of heaven, but we will also be judged for something else. We'll be judged based on what we did or didn't do in our lifetime. So this is why the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all stand before Christ to be judged, We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. 
And as we've said, our world tends to assess a person's worth by their net worth or their outward appearance or their position in society or their education. In the world to come, these things won't really matter much at all. They, they matter in this world, but they won't matter much at all come judgment day. What will matter is whether we have done what God is calling us to do. And so we do well to pray the prayer that Hugh Jackman has prayed. God, make it clear to me what you want me to do. If it's collecting trash, I'll collect trash. If it's doing something else, I'll do that something else. In light of eternity, don't ask the question, how can I be successful? Ask, how can I be helpful? How can I serve? Nothing wrong with being successful, but don't aim for success for the sake of success. If you find that you are succeeding, use that to serve God and others. Don't aim for, it, for fame for the sake of fame. Don't aim to be an influencer for the sake of being an influencer. Nothing wrong with being well-known and widely respected, but don't aim for these things in and of themselves. If you find yourself with influence and respect, use that position to honor God and to serve others. Don't aim to collect money, to accumulate money for the sake of accumulating money. There's nothing wrong with making money. If you have that gift and opportunity, do it. Thank God for it. But don't accumulate money just for the sake of accumulating money but live and give generously. And you can live generously. You can live a life of service, a life of true greatness in God's eyes because you follow the one who said, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Let's pray together. Maybe you don't think about this much, but if you're here and you're not sure of your ultimate destination, if you're not sure that your passport is ready, in your heart, in your spirit, you can turn to God and say, be merciful to me, forgive my sins, make me yours, and God will. It doesn't matter what you have done or not done, God will receive you if you turn to him with a sincere and open heart. No matter where you are on your journey, if you want, you can pray a prayer that I'll pray in just a moment that has been attributed to Thomas Akempis. I'm going to paraphrase the prayer. If it expresses your heart, you can pray it in your spirit after me. From the desire to be esteemed by this world, Jesus, deliver me. From the desire to be honored in this world, Jesus, deliver me. From the desire to be first in this world, Jesus, deliver me.
And if you want, you can pray the echo of a prayer once prayed by an actor. God, show me what you want me to do. Make it clear. And then help me to do it. That I might fulfill my purpose. And may it be so for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.